This is 400 Plus. I'm Mark Sims. My guest is David Stovall, Ph.D. David Stovall is a, or the, if you will, David, (laughs) criminology, law, and justice professor at the University of Illinois, Chicago. How are you, Professor Stovall? Pretty good about yourself. Thanks for having me. Usually I go over my introduction, but I didn't do it this time. Hopefully (laughs) hopefully that's correct. Did I miss anything, Dr. Stovall? All good. Oh, it's all good. Okay, let's go straight to question. We can a really quick podcast. I like to go short and sweet. If it goes a little bit long, it's all good. Dr. Stovall, you the man. Uh, is it possible? Broad question, you can answer any way you want. Is it possible to create crime free, low income African American neighborhoods? Yes. And I think there are a couple of issues that you have to address. And it's kind of akin to some conversations that you and I have had in the past. I mean, in this thing around, if you're talking about harm reduction or crime reduction, you have to put that in context in terms of what communities are facing, right? So if you have food deserts, if you have low access to quality education, if you have low access to health care or living wage employment, then there's the greater chance that people will actually engage in activities that will result in harming each other. So if you actually reduce those things, then you have the greatest propensity or the greatest capacity, I should say, in reducing crime and harm, right? So you have to think about it. So it's not a monolithic solution. You got to put all those factors that communities are facing and now think about violence viable ways to address those spaces holistically, right? Because it's this thing around cities prioritize spaces where people have tracks people to the city. And they try to marginalize and isolate the places that don't, right? And we see that deeply in Chicago because of its long-term hyper-segregation. So you can actually do it, but there has to be a priority for those neighborhoods that have been historically marginalized. Because, I mean, the thing is, I I think here locally and nationally, we actually know what works. It's just always that uh, potential willingness to engage. Excellent. But the thing, okay, this is 400 plus. My always, what I gripe about is how we, Negroes, I think we're called African-Americans now, how we treat each other. We know because of the legacy of slavery, we were slaves and, and segregated and all that kind of stuff. And that has taught us to distrust each other. Can we, I know we need, you know, money, resources from the government or somewhere else, philanthropy. But how, how do we, African-Americans, how do we begin to build the trust and begin to build the cultural capital that other people have because they know who they are. They're Mexicans, they're Jewish, they're Italian. How do we build that cultural capital for the next two or three generations where we can end some of these issues that we have amongst each other? Well, it's exactly to your point, right? Where do we have spaces? We need to create spaces where we are developing knowledge of self, right? So that when we talk about positive identities, what people do, when their identities of themselves are positive. Now we have to think about where the places that we actually are engaging a knowledge of ourselves. Where do we get that space? Is it in school spaces? Is it in community spaces? Is it through programs in the arts? 
Is it through employment strategies? Because there are employment programs that do focus on a knowledge of self and self-worth and then how to think about our work collectively. Is it through community organizations? So we got a lot of spaces by which to engage that. But this idea, again, to your point, around reducing harm goes back to a knowledge of oneself. If I don't see the potential enemy in someone who looks like me, then I'm much less likely to engage in any process or actions that harm them. And Dr. Stovall, you are the professor. Uh, What it means to be black it means different things to different people. And as we become, I mean, I know it's kind of hard to say in this modern era with all the, you know, Trumpism and stuff, but we still arguing about who's black and how to be black. And you're not black like me. And how do we get past that? Because there's so many different ways to be black, to be African-American. And some people like, well, you're not like me. So I can't really get, I can't, we're not on the same. We don't have the same values. We don't see the world differently. How do we get past that? Or do we have to get past that to move forward as a people? Yeah, and I really appreciate that question because we don't necessarily have to get past that as much as we can use that as a starting point. If we say, you know, like with me with my students, right, I know I'm older, I have different experiences, and there's some spaces that are new that my students have had that I have not had, right? And there's some other ones where I have had and we can engage on that. So now it's really around, okay, here's the starting point. Where are the spaces where our experiences converge, meaning where do they meet? And then where are the spaces where they diverge, right, or go apart? So let's start there, right? We experience our blackness in all of these ways. So now let's start there and see where we have those particular commonalities, right? So it's not to distance ourselves from anybody or to get past it, but to say, okay, let's start there. And now what do we build from where we're starting? Yeah, because you know, let's say that you know, there's a lot. Most people live in the suburbs. A lot of African Americans. I don't know the, the, I don't know the percentage right now. They were born and raised in a suburb. Some mm-hmm. suburbs are just like the city, and some suburbs ain't like the city, depending on where you are. So and right. so that we have this, we have a, a greater stratification than we probably did even twenty years ago. So how does something? So like I said, if I lived in, uh, well, Will County, I mean, way western Will County, if you will, if people know Chicago. Let's not, let's say I'm twenty, thirty miles from Inglewood or from the hood or whatever the hood is. I, what can I do? I mean, or, sh- or should I do something? Or should I, they got to fend for themselves. I'm 30 miles away. It's y'all problem. It ain't my problem. Right. Now, I mean, well, I think it's this thing around, you know, uh, age or organizing adages when people talk about you think globally and you act locally. So now with those particular locales, you know, where people may be, may have, more economic resources. It's not necessarily safe when we think about law enforcement and the ways in which they're pitted against their white counterparts in those particular spaces. So now, where are the spaces where people are experiencing injustice? And now, where are we starting with that? You know, even even despite, you know, you could be, that's always been a rub about the suburbs, right? You know, people think you can isolate because the area might be a little more quiet, but trust, when the gloves are off, you are in a space where you're deeply isolated and can be harmed in very different ways. So I think it's really important for folks to take into account 
where they are locally and then have some real assessment around what's happening there to address those issues and concerns. And then the other part about it, you know, and I, I like how you framed it, you know, we got, even if we are in those burbs, we still got hella family in, this, in the city, right? So this thing around understanding that no matter where we are geographically and spatially, we're still not separated from those instances that occur on the block in the city because most of those folks are still our family members. No, I agree totally. And some of the suburbs, I mean, uh, uh, I, I don't know all cities. I've been to Georgia. I've been to a lot of places over the years. But some of the suburbs that were the suburbs 30 years ago, they, they, some of the places are like the city. They don't have the density. Mm-hmm. They don't have the crime. But it's still, you know, you're in the suburbs, like, damn, it's like the hood in Chicago. Damn. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. and so the thing mm-hmm. about what I'm trying to say, though, is that let me close out this conversation. Let's pick and let's pick a rose. Let's just pick a rose and not to pick on Roseland because parts of Roseland are very beautiful. And other parts are kind of, wow, ooh, you need to see parts of Roseland. If you were the czar of Roseland or if you had, how would you start to improve the, a, a town uh, Rosen is like a town, the town or a ward or a, a part of a city like the Rosen neighborhood here in Chicago. How would you begin to improve that? Yeah, I would say I would start with the spaces that are the most marginalized. Right. So the spaces that don't have the best upkeep, the spaces that don't have um, the best access. And then I would I would actually talk to folks in those spaces and say, what do you need to improve the space? work to maintain it long term. So I wouldn't I wouldn't start with the spaces that are doing well and try to ex- I would start with the spaces that may not be doing so well and working to improve that. So now when they were paying attention the space Now we had an audio issue. Now you were saying you you start you, you start by asking the residents of those rougher parts of town or the neighborhood what do you need? Yep. Yes. So, I mean, when you start to, when you ask folks, what do they need? Because this is another thing. People who are in serious situations often know what's needed. In our strategies to address those things, now, instead of looking from above or away, we start with what folks recognize are issues and what people see as viable solutions. Right. That's a different approach than kind of looking on from the outside to address those concerns. Dr. Stovall, this podcast is over. You're always brilliant. People should look for Dr. Stovall's videos and books and everything. You're great. Thanks for being on this podcast. Oh, thanks so much. Truly appreciate it.